airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, before we get into the program and mm-hmm. kind of unpack what we want to talk about today, we want to invite our listeners to um, allow us to be a part of um, what would be the most significant actions that we could be taking right now, which mm-hmm. is prayer and intercession. And we believe strongly in that. That's and right. uh, we don't believe that that is like our last ditch effort. Amen. We believe that that really, truly is our first work. Right. And Amen. then from there, the Lord tells us what to do. That's right. right. But that's the first work. And then you get your instructions on what you yourself are to physically do. So, Will the Great, um, let our listeners know what it is that we would like to do and how um, we hope that they would allow us to kind of partner with them in prayer. Yeah. Like you said, prayer is not a throwaway thing, you know, and uh, and you mentioned that prayer have been Googled, you know, so much lately oh, yeah. because of what was happening. And we want to dedicate a few days of the show next week, um, next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to praying for you, the listener, um, and anything that's, that's on your heart. So uh, we want to do that. And also uh, talking to Abraham Hamilton III, he will be doing the same thing as well. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to take these prayer concerns uh, to the Lord in prayer on the air. So what we want to do is uh, there's a, a, a email that you can send to prayer at AFR.net, prayer at AFR.net. But if you will put in the, uh, the topic line, airing the Addison's, so that we'll know that uh, you, you're you designating that for us. Uh, we would love for you to do that and, and do that and put your prayer request uh, in the email. And uh, we would like to take time on our show to pray, you know, for those uh, requests. And so that would be next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We want to do that. So if you uh, send an email to prayer at AFR.net and you put in the topic line, airing the Addison's, we would love to pray for you, for your family, for whatever's going on. Uh, on the air. And also we're going to be taking time next week to invite some guests on to help us to pray as well for our country and uh, different uh, aspects of, of things that's going on. So mm-hmm. that'll be happening uh, next week. But if you want to send a prayer request to prayer at AFR.net and you put in the topic line, line, uh, airing the Addison's, uh, you can put ATA and we'll make sure that we get those and gather those. And next week, uh, pray specifically for, uh, those prayer requests. So uh, that that's what we're going to be doing. And, you know, prayer is powerful and effective. Um, and sometimes, you know, we, we it's like we know a lot about prayer. We understand, mm-hmm. but we we never really pray, mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and, it, and it's like if we really understood what we we're talking about, we would pray a lot more. And I, you know, Pastor Joseph Parker always encourages us uh, in that manner too, to to pray and the and the Lord, you know, pray without ceasing. And so we want to do that. Uh, and, and, and offer up our prayers to the Lord for what's going on uh, in our country and in the world. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I think um, Pastor Joseph um, 
uses the illustration, and I may not be getting it exactly the way that he um, usually says this, but he says like if prayer represents our access to God, our communion with God, like the the ocean of our access to God, why would we approach that with a cup? We should be coming with buckets. <laughs> and yeah. instead what we often yeah. come with is like a little cup of prayer, you know, just a little bit. I'm just going to send up a little, just a little shout out, just a little prayer, you know, but really understanding that we are talking to the maker mm. and we're talking to the one who has granted us access to him through his son. Like he's, he's not playing catch me if you can with us. Right. You know what I mean? Right. He has granted us access to him through his son, Jesus Christ. He wants to be accessed by us mm-hmm. and he made a way for that to happen. Yeah. Like it's just, it is profound um, how little we put uh, value and stock in the kind of access that um, has been affected for us because yeah. of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is, yeah. it's astounding. Um, and I think the only reason we don't talk about it more, I mean, just among believers mm-hmm. is because we just have diminished it outright. We just, it's yeah. just not even something we really talk about. So yeah. anyway, this is a good opportunity um, for us to, to return to those foundations of our faith, mm-hmm. which involve prayer, Amen. which involves seeking the Lord. And you've been saying something, uh, last couple of days, um, you know, as we've been reading through the book of Acts, but mm-hmm. how, you know, the Holy Spirit um, is all throughout the building up and the establishment of the early church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Constantly speaking, constantly yeah. working. You know, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. You know, That's amazing. they were intimately involved uh, and, and the Holy Spirit was intimately involved in the building of the church. And he's still involved right now with the church today. And um and he's and he's speaking and he's guiding Amen. and leading and so uh, we need not to downplay that at all. That's right. That's right. Um. So one of the things we got two calls yesterday that um that really stood out to us and one of them we're going to replay for you today. But um the other one I just want to reference mm-hmm. and sort of use as um. <laughs> A defense for this long form argument that we're about to make this case. When I say argument, I don't mean like, you know, yelling. I mean, (laughs) just the case that we're about to make for the Christian to follow the Christian's conscience, wherever that is Mm. um, and whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I would like for the discussion to kind of stay there, because remember yesterday, what I tried to do was make a case for my premise. Okay, (laughs) like my my question was. Um, it was it was broader, broader and further reaching than just should churches be holding services. And again, right. I'm hoping that today's conversation does the same thing that the last two days of conversation have done, which is to say we have a bigger question mm-hmm. than just what is happening right now. And what are the things that we should do? Mm-hmm. We should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that Christians have to employ more discernment than just what we can hear and see right now. We have to ask the Lord to lead us so that we're always acting in accordance with the scriptures, which means that it's going to be transferable Mm. in every situation that we're in. Amen. In whatever setting that you find yourself in, when the word of God is your basis, we talk so much about having a biblical worldview. Right. But usually we think about that when it as it pertains to cultural activism. But no, that that's your living. Mm. That's your life. Having a biblical worldview is how you live life. It's not just when you show up to protest. It's not just when you have to yank your kids out of school. It's not just when you are resisting curricula. It's not, you know, in government and all of these things. No, it is how we, the average Christian um, living in America or wherever it is that you're living, it's how we execute life. And that is according to a biblical worldview. And that's what we try to focus on on this show. So the topics that we discuss all revolve around 
what it looks like to live as a Christian authentically in 21st century America or wherever it is that you are in the world, uh, the rules don't change, right? That's right. And so our call yesterday was from our sister, Michelle, who listens to us in North Carolina. And she said, you know, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, but basically, can we have more conversations like this where, you know, just the average believer is able to engage our friends and our families on where we stand on certain issues? Mm -hmm. Can we have more conversations where we are equipped to have just a very natural conversation about where we say we stand in culture because too often what we end up thinking is that that's the other person's job to make a defense for me, Mm. right? Like somebody else is supposed to make a defense for how I can live an authentic Christian life. When really, again, going back to Peter's first letter, by the time we get to first Peter three 15, he says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. That is the culmination of some directives that he's given to the body of Christ, which is to live counterculturally. Yeah. So the expectation is that all of us are going to be living so very differently that by the time it comes to the question of why, right, we are now then enter the gospel stage right. Mm. Now we're going to tell people why we're living like that. And so I really thought about um, Michelle's question, and we've kind of uh, tailored the show. This is just our style, really. Um, (laughs) But in light of Michelle's question, it's just a proper excuse to do it today. Um, The last question that we got yesterday is the question that we want to replay for you. It came from our brother Raymond, who was listening to us Mm -hmm. in Texas. And this is a question that we get often. And when I say we, I mean, yes, in the line of work that we're in, um, activism, you know, there are people who say, and and this is not to say that this was in totality Raymond's question. Mm -hmm. But this question has been raised in other instances. For example, you know, why can't Christians just make the cake? Yeah. Okay. Why can't the pastor just marry the two men? Um, You know, quote unquote, it's the law of the land. Like we, we have, this is, is legally recognized. Why can't we just move on? And that's not what Raymond's question is. In fact, we have the the clip and I, cause I want to be fair, but I I also want people to understand that where we go in responding to Raymond's question is going to go beyond church function in COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Always. It has to be this way, folks. It, it has to be this way because we don't have new standards of Christianity every time there's something that pops off in culture. Right. Do you understand how many Bibles would have to be rewritten in the last 2000 years to deal with everything that, oh, now we say this differently this way because of this? No. We have the one standard. It's the word of God. So that means it applies to all of these questions whenever they pop up in culture, wherever we're living. Mm. Okay. And so that's what we want to do. But first, let's do this. Let's just uh, be reminded of uh, Brother Raymond's question from yesterday. Here we go. All right. 30 seconds. Let's go to Raymond in Texas. Hi, Raymond. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Hey, I'm going to be quick. Okay. Why do we have to wait? Why do we have to wait for this to happen? We've had all the freedom in the world to go to church, and we wait for now to get in an uproar because we're not allowed to go to church. God has given us the freedom for many, many years, and now Christians are having a fit because, you know, and I'm a Christian, I, 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 but I, but you know, the, 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 word, the, the Word of God says obey the laws of the land. And also, obedience is more than sacrifice. So we have to obey. I mean... We, believe me, we're struggling. 
Mm. Okay, so um, as everyone can hear, you know, there is a great level of, um, and I use this kind of tongue-in-cheek, there's a high level of anxiety when that music starts, and uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to think through, do I have enough time to give the answer <laughs> that I want to give, that I would love to give, right? Um, versus what the clock is saying, and what you guys can't hear yeah. is, bless his heart, Will the Great, <laughs> yelling time cues in my ear. <laughs> so I just want to bring you guys behind the curtain, nah, it's, okay? It's real, because I even felt anxiety listening to that clip with the music Right in the there, it's like the like, music is playing. What are you uh, going to do? And, uh. and he knows I'm long-winded. <laughs> He's like, she can't do it. I have to make sure she doesn't even try. All right. And so what's happening behind the scenes, what's happening behind the scenes is 15, 10, wrap it up. That's nah, it. Come on. So, no, I'm just kidding. Now, that's that's exaggeration for effect. No, but really, you actually sometimes and our listeners will hear this um, whenever you come in at the end. I'm giving all the trade secrets whenever you come in at the end and uh -huh. say through your microphone, Okay, that's it. We, we're out of time. That means I have blown through yeah. all of the time cues. <laughs> that's very rare, though. That's very, But it happens, but it's rare. It is you rare. You do a good job. But it does happen. Well, <laughs> praise the Lord. But it just, I just want people to understand, and I think yeah. people get this. They yeah. know, right? Yeah. Because yeah. because we got Exploring the Word coming after us. Like, excuse me, Pastor Bert. Uh, Alex, I'm sorry, guys. We just we had to finish up with Raymond's question. So we're going to start Exploring the Word in your second segment. We can't do that, right? We got to <laughs> right. get out. Right. We got to get out. Um. But I, our brother Raymond and the question that he asked, and, 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 and to be fair to him, I want to use his question as a backdrop, right? But I don't want to respond to him, mm -hmm. okay, if that's okay. Yeah. And the reason for that is because I think that there are other Christians who have questions that are very similar to this. And so I don't want it to appear that I'm using an entire program, which would not be unusual, to respond to one person. <laughs> which I have done that. Um but let me let me just say this, um, just sort of at the beginning exactly here. Right there. There's some music right there. So you guys just know what's happening behind the scenes. Will the grades could be giving me some time cues. Um, <laughs> so so let me just say this. Christians are not waiting until now to, um, you know, decry their their religious liberties or anything like that. This is something that is ongoing. In fact, this is one of the reasons that we exist as the American Family Association to remind Christians of the rights and of the liberties that we have, the freedoms that we have in this country, and to work to preserve those and to exercise those publicly. Mm -hmm. And so this is not something that's new where all of a sudden Christians are like, oh my goodness, you know. Um, so I think we need to be fair in that. But what I want to do is, again, I want to go beyond what churches should be doing right now, and I want to talk about how Christians live a biblical worldview in every cultural change that we ever go through. All right, Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio will grab the break and be right back. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Aaron Lee Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, we appreciate you more than we can say. Mm -hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Fred Hammond, no weapon. That's an oldie but goodie. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's that old, right? <laughs> it really That's so not. good. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. All right. Uh, welcome back. We appreciate you listening. Uh, the backdrop for the conversation is, um, for lack of a better way to just sort of encapsulate this discussion, it's civil disobedience. It's, you know, when do Christians 
and I know some of these are going to be buzzwords. I understand, but it's the best I can do, okay? Um, the question is, when do Christians engage in civil disobedience? When is there righteous rebellion? Um, when do followers of the Lord God do things that go against edicts, edicts, decrees, uh, statutes, laws, things like that? And um, I, I can tell you for sure that throughout the show, I'm going to use these words interchangeably. I understand, as you might imagine, that they have different meanings. Um, but just for the sake of conversation, for example, you may hear me say law when I'm actually not talking about a law. I'm talking about a strong suggestion. Mm. <laughs> OK, yeah, yeah. Um, so just know that I'm aware of that. Uh, but I guarantee you it's going to happen because yeah. even as we are preparing for this and talking about this, we found ourselves using them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And you have to remind yourself that um, everything that we're talking about today, certainly in the United States of America, is not law. Mm -hmm. All right. We're not talking about law because the last time we all checked, I don't think that Congress made any laws uh, regarding how we are to, quote unquote, shelter in place or, you know, now, look, we have these. Um, what we hope are wise directives. Mm -hmm. Of course, many of us, many of us have ideas now about what we could have done differently. Right. Many of us. Right. Okay. Um, and so there's a conversation that can be had around that. I'm looking at where we are. And again, the conversation was why, you know, why are Christians now kind of, you know, looking to, I don't know, talk about their religious freedoms and all of that stuff. And I don't think that it's a, it's a cry of convenience. I think it's something that has always been in place and in mind of the believer. We, um, we are sojourners. So we're never 100% comfortable in any place because mm -hmm. we understand that we're peculiar. We're different. And even those things that we could take for granted one day um, could be taken from us the next. Right. Yeah. And so as Christians, um, we are very protective of that. So here is my, here is my response. Um, and the conversation that will that will kind of revolve around this. Our foundation is always the word of God. Amen. OK, now I know that some people what you immediately want me to do is you want me to go to our constitutional rights. The word of God for the Christian trumps our Constitution. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand that if there's ever an amendment to our Constitution. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is not amended? The word of what God. does not change? The word of God. Amen. And so we will begin our discussion where our highest authority is for the believer, and that is with the word of God. And as you see, or as you may see, depending on how the time shakes out, um, we'll get to talking about the Constitution. We'll get to talking about what our rights are as citizens. We'll talk about how the Apostle Paul knew what his rights were. Ergo, I want to see Caesar. <laughs> oh, now you're going to, you're the Apostle Paul and Silas. In prison, there's more to the story than them just singing praises and praying to God when they're in prison and the, the ground's being shaken in Philippi. They're also released from prison mm -hmm. and told to go peacefully. And Paul's like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, right. you locked us up unjustly. I'm a Roman citizen. Y'all come over here and escort us out. Come <laughs> over here and say sorry. He knew what his rights were. So we also have there's a case to be made and the case should be made for us knowing what our rights are. This is why we teach our kids civics, because they have to know. Know what the word of God tells you to do in any given situation. That's your highest authority. After that, also know what your rights are as a citizen of the United States of America. Mm. These rights are very precious. We should know. We should know. Paul's rights as a Roman citizen were very precious to him. And he called upon those rights whenever the proliferation of the gospel was under attack. He knew what his rights were. So just know that because I'm putting that second does not mean it doesn't matter. Right. It's just not more important than the authority of the word of God. Right. 
in the life of the believer. Point blank, period. Um, Second Timothy, chapter three, verses 16 and 17 teaches that all scriptures breathe out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We've heard this. We know this. Some of us have taught our kids to memorize it, right? That the man of God uh, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that means that every biblical account that we read, there is something that God is teaching us about himself, about ourselves, about the world that we live in, about how we are to conduct ourselves as aliens, as sojourners. There is something for us to learn that is profitable for us. None of the stories are in the Bible because they just wanted a certain word count. Mm. It's not like when we were writing term papers in high school and it had to be a certain number. And it's like very, very good because you need you need more words. Right. So we're not this is not why we have all of these words in the scriptures. They mean something. They are significant. All right. So. Um, the question is, mm-hmm. what has God shown us about his people mm. when faced with decrees, edicts, mm-hmm. statutes or laws that demand rebellion or neglect of God's commands? Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's the conversation that we're having. And I really do hope that it goes beyond whether or not churches should be or should not be meeting. Yeah. All right. Again, I just it's cannot stress that. that enough. Yeah. It's deeper than that. OK. So before we do that, I want to use a a modern reminder that I think has a phrase or a question that I think each believer should sort of keep um, pinned to the desktop of their mind. Mm -hmm. All right. Like keep this pinned to the desktop of your mind. In 1945, November of 1945, um, the world saw the start of the Nuremberg trials where among three other categories of charges against these Nazi criminals, Um, There was uh, charge number four, which was crimes against humanity. Right. Mm. And you have like 200 um, Nazi war criminals that are going to be tried at the Nuremberg trials. And then there's like um, 1600 others that were in um, like a a military court. And so this was a big deal. And you read world history. You know, I just love history, Mm -hmm. especially church history. But, you know, all, all of history, these things really happen. So I just have an appreciation for that. But when you look at that, there's something that's really interesting that happened during the Nuremberg trials that I want to I want to present and just kind of, again, pin it to the desktop of your mind. Mm -hmm. So the defense attorneys for the Nazi war criminals, which sounds really crazy, but there were defense attorneys for the Nazi, the Nazi war criminals. And the defense attorneys attempted to use a defense that their clients were only following the direct orders of the government Mm. and therefore they could not be held responsible for their actions. Mm. They were only doing what they were commanded to do by the government. So they should not be held responsible for their own actions. Now, the Nuremberg trials, just by way of jogging your memory, were um, comprised of four different nations coming together with um, a judge and like a backup judge and a prosecutor and a backup uh, prosecutor. So representing the United Kingdom, the United States, the Soviet Union and France. Right. And one of the judges outright dismissed this argument that came from the Nazi defense attorneys. And this is what he said. This was a simple question. His question was this. But gentlemen, is there not a law above our laws? Mm. Wow. <laughs> now, that's simple, the question. But pro- it's profound. It is simple, <laughs> but it is profound. And it is a question that can be asked of every believer in every country in every time, wherever it is that you're living, is there not a law 
above our laws. In fact, and I don't want to get too far ahead of the discussion, but this is the very question that Pastor Wang Yi asked himself back in December of 2018 when he was arrested in China. Mm. He's now serving nine years. But this was the question that he asked himself, whether outright or just in principle, is there a law above the laws of the Chinese government? Mm. Does not God have a law that we submit to, even if it costs us our very lives? Now, again, this is not where we're where we are in the United States of America. But I just want to pin that to the desktop in our minds, because every believer and every follower of the way must keep that question in mind. Is there not a law above our laws? And why do I say that? Because right now the debate is very simple. It's like, well, no, you can you can still meet. No one's forcing you not to meet. You've been strongly encouraged not to meet. And mm -hmm. so we all want to follow the quote unquote laws of the land. These are not laws. That's important to know. Mm -hmm. But if we run down the path where we say we are just blind patriots and that's the law of the land. So we do it. Then actually we are not useful to God. If mm. I can just say it, frankly, if we become blind patriots where I'm just I'm just I'm just being a law keeper. I'm just doing what my country says that I ought to do. Then we're not useful to God. Our mm. highest calling and our highest allegiance must always be to God. Let's look at some Old Testament examples of this um, where, you know, sometimes when we when we read this in the Bible. Guys. All right. <laughs> you don't ever need to make God look better than you think he is. That's right. OK. He is who he is, Amen. okay? So often we come across stories in the Bible, and then what we try to do is we try to soften God's appearance to us. So we try to make him better, right? We read something we don't quite like, or it, it causes great conflict because we're like, oh, man, this is a seeming contradiction. Whenever you think you've come across a seeming contradiction, on the part of the Lord God, when you're reading the scriptures, read it again, read deeply and cross-reference. The mm. Lord God is consistent. Mm. Understand mm. what he has done. Amen. Understand what he is saying. There is no contradiction. The word of God does not contradict itself. So sometimes when we come across the scriptures, we do all kinds of gymnastics because we try to make it fit in our construct wow. yeah. of how we think God should be perceived. Wow. To help us to feel better. To help us <laughs> feel better. So, for example, it might sound something like this. A person says on a scale of one to ten, how good do you think God is? And people always, what are you going to do? You're going to say ten. <laughs> well, what if I tell you Apple? What if I tell you he's not on our scale? Not at all. See, when we start using our scales to define God mm. and our scales to determine what is good and what is right and what ought to be done, we're going to miss it every time. God blows the scale. He blows the Richter like it's done. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And we have to be okay with that. And if you come across things that are too difficult to understand in the scriptures, you, say, you know what? I don't, I don't really understand that, mm. but I trust God. Mm. I know that he is, I am. Amen. Amen. I know that he doesn't need anyone or anything to define himself by. He doesn't need a point of reference. Mm. He's the self-existent one. We got to get very comfortable with that. Right. So in Exodus chapter one, verses eight through 22, you remember this is the story of the midwives. Um, this sort of, you know, announces the birth of Moses. Right. Yeah. You're getting into now the birth of Moses. And you got the story of these midwives who are instructed by Pharaoh to kill all of the Hebrew boys when they're born. Mm -hmm. OK, 
because these Hebrews are going to keep multiplying and uh, we don't know what they're going to do with all of this manpower that they get. Mm -hmm. So you can let the girls live, but you got to kill the boys. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says in um, Exodus chapter one, verse 16, um, the, the midwives are instructed when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, you shall let her live. But the midwives feared God. <laughs> hmm. Now that's, that's not a throwaway line, no, that's a right? Phrase statement. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. It has defined their actions in their culture right now. At this moment, their fear of God has defined their conduct. Mm -hmm. And the Bible lets us know that point blank right off the bat, right? So they feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, mm -hmm. but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? And let the male children live. Right. The midwives said to the Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. <laughs> so God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And people say, well, wait a minute. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> the midwives didn't tell the truth. Mm. Well, you make your case to God because in verse 21, the Bible says, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. <laughs> he rewarded them wow. for acting against unjust statutes, laws, decrees that really go against your logic. Because, you know, the pious patriot says we must do what we are told. Mm. But the faithful follower of the Lord God says we will fear God rather than man. And we will see this repeated throughout the scriptures. So Mickey, we see it in the New Testament. Yes. Go ahead. So right here. What do you say to the people that say that says like, well, you're overblown. That's a totally different situation because because you're talking about the debt of like baby boys as compared to people just not going to church, you know, uh, and watching it online. Still having that still is an online thing. Because I know we say it's deeper than that, but I can just hear people saying, but that's not the same. That's, that's a more. Yeah, I, I would say, hey, welcome to the program. Remember, this is not only what we're talking about. <laughs> I'd say, hey, great. Thanks. I'm glad you showed up. Like, take your binder out. That's not what we're talking. What we're talking about always is looking down the line mm -hmm. at when we ration or reason away fear of God. OK, then it opens, uh, excuse the expression, a Pandora's box for everything else. Yeah. It's true. OK, so so, yeah, um, well, we're not going to kill these babies. OK, because that's a big deal. You know, mm -hmm. um, but down the line, do we get to the place where we say we're also, you know, not going to hide Anne Frank. Mm. We're also not, we're going to we're going to turn over the Jews <laughs> to the Nazis because we got to wow. tell the truth. Yeah. Or do we see repeated precedent in the Bible? That shows us over and over and over and over and over again, it is better to obey God mm. than man. Mm. And Amen. that is the action that is presented before those words are even expressed in the New Testament. That's what people are doing. That's what Rahab the prostitute did when the king of Jericho was like, have the spies been here? Oh, no. Um, mm. Mm -mm. Go run. If you start now, you can catch them. And they're up on her roof. And what does God reward her with? She's in the lineage of Christ. Wow. That's big. Time. All right. We got to grab the break. Erin <laughs> the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back.
some of the pastors that we look at across the country that are still having a type of um, COVID-19 approved service. All yeah. right. Let's just call it that. They're yeah. having a COVID-19 approved service. Um, there are some Christians who look at those pastors and say, man, you're just that's just extra. You're just doing too much. I would caution against that because I think one of the things that we should not be questioning is the faithfulness of the Lord's servant in either direction, which is why it was so important to me that when we started talking about this, even on Friday, that we don't denigrate the church, that we don't denigrate those who have been installed by the Lord God um, everywhere that they are to shepherd his flock. Like, that's a big deal. We have to be very, very careful about that. You don't want to just be flippant. You know, some of the words that have been, um, you know, batted about and talking about pastors who have taken measures to protect their congregation in the best way that they saw fit. Mm. All right. There's been some very nasty words exchanged there. And I think that, man, that, that, you know, I would humbly say, man, we, sh- we should not, you know, we need to not do that. We need yeah, to not do that. That does not glorify God. At the same time, for the pastors who are saying, no, I'm essential. I've given my life to this. I've given my life to this. Mm-hmm. I believe, look, <laughs> I, I, I want to I be numbered among those who's willing to lay down his life for the flock. I want to, I you know, be standing at the gate here, you know, at the entry gate. And, and, and so I think we have to be very careful not to also speak against someone who takes a different approach. Um, the pastor in Maryland comes to mind, mm-hmm. you know, that he's saying, okay, we got 10 or less people are actually just coming and going like it's not. I mean, essentially, it's a Walmart church. It's a Walmart church, mm. you know, and so I think we just have to be very careful in the way yeah. we talk about it. But right. this discussion today goes beyond this. When we get into the the category of talking about, you know, we have to obey the laws of the land. We have to make sure that we clearly define what we mean by that. Because Romans chapter 13, which is what people are alluding to when they say that, does not just stop at verse one or two Mm. or three. In fact, when you continue reading on, you see that what the Apostle Paul is writing to the Romans is not just a blank check for blind patriotism. Mm. That's not what it is. And he makes that very clear (laughs) as he goes on. And it's amazing. And, I, man, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I got some other Old Testament examples, but in the interest of time, I'll skip past those and, um, and, and I'll keep moving on. But let me just say this before we get to New Testament examples. The decision to fear God rather than man is a decision that is not made in the crucible when the heat is most fierce. Right. Like when you're in that moment of like decision, that's not where you take a sidebar and you're like, uh, excuse me, we're going to have to see what what it is that we're going to do here. No, the decision to obey God rather than man is an ongoing lifestyle. You live that every day in your conviction. That's that's how that's what it is to have a biblical worldview. That's what it is to have come in contact with the Lord God where you say, well, I don't need to go and decide what I think about human sexuality. And what I think about marriage, because I already know what God says about that. This is what we saw on display with uh, the Hebrew boys when Nebuchadnezzar, King Nezer, if you're vegetables, <laughs> when when they wanted them to bow to the bunny, the mm-hmm. chocolate bunny. Everybody remember? The bunny. The bunny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Sorry, guys. I was still on track here. Look, we have kids and I've never denied that. All right. Um. But you have these three Hebrew young men 
who are like, no, you know, you've given us the ultimatum here. We understand what it is that you've decreed. Okay. Um, we don't, we don't even need to take a sidebar. Mm. We don't even need to, you know, step back right. and go in and, and weigh our options here. Right. Do we do? I mean, you know, it's hot. Do we want to burn guys? Like how far do we want to take this? No, we don't. This look in, in, in Daniel chapter three, verse 15, verse 15. I'll start at verse 15. Daniel chapter three, uh, verse 15. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the, the treason, I guess is how you say it, the harp, the bagpipe and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. I mean, why does he need to say fiery? <laughs> I mean, furnace is enough. We get it. It's hot, right? Yeah. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Oh, the hubris. Hmm. Oh, the hubris. I mean, that's just that uh, you think very highly of yourself. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We don't need to step back and think about it. No we don't need to collect ourselves. We don't need to deliberate on this. Verse 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Mm. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Mm. This decision is not made when the battle, the battle is the toughest, mm. right? This decision is not made when um, a new sex ed curriculum comes to your kid's school. Come on now. Oh, what are we, we going to do? We can, man, we love take. No, that's not when you make the decision. The decision is, I already know who God is. I already know what he said on these issues. This is how we take our stand in culture. This is how we fight battles, spiritually speaking. Mm -hmm. The Christian is already dug in. I mean, the Christian, I showed up dug in, <laughs> right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't show up and then just get planted. No, I'm dug in, all right? This, this is where my decision is going to be. I don't need right. to step back and, and, and lick my finger, stick it up and see which way the wind is blowing. What are Christians saying now on this issue? How are politicians influencing what Christians say on this issue? Certainly not. We have the eternal word of God as our point of reference. That's our straight edge. Amen. That's our starting point. That's our ending point for all matters in the culture that we face. Mm. As we study the expansion and the establishment of the church, looking at the New Testament, we see that what is pulled from the Old Testament, which was demonstrated for us in action, is now expressly stated in the church. <laughs> okay, mm. It was demonstrated for us in action. All throughout the Old Testament, we see it and we see the Lord richly rewarding those who fear him. In fact, the Hebrews writer says the world really wasn't worthy of them. Mm. The world wasn't worthy of them. You know, this Hall of Fame of faith that we just, you know, we look at all these people. The world was not worthy of them. And the question you have to always ask, like, you know, as a Christian, you're like, man, am I living in such a way that this world is not worthy of me? Mm. Or is it getting what it should get? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Is it getting what it should get? Like, I should be here. This is me. Mm, or are you living man. in such a way where it's like, man, the world's not worthy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, man, you, the world didn't even know what they're getting because you're here. And that's, I mean, look at that. So everything that was done, everything that was practiced in the Old Testament, 
continues to be practiced in the New Testament, but now it's being expressly laid out. Here's why. Here's why we're doing this. Why? Because it is better for us to obey God rather than man. Mm. Whatever circumstance, whatever situation that's in, that we're in. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 20. And guess, let me just tell you something. This is daily living for the Christian. This is what we're here for. This is not just, oh, it's Sunday. I need a word of encouragement. Come on now. This is our everyday life. This Amen. is how we live the scriptures. Biblical worldview is at an all-time low. It's like 6% in the United States of America. Amazing. 6%. But what is supposed to be different for us? Mm. We're supposed to start and end with this biblical worldview. This is how we show up. This is how we show up in culture. This is how we show up when the media is rebelling and acting up. Yeah. This is how we show up at our kids' schools. It's how we show up at the halls of Congress. This is how, this is why we do what we do. We live faithfully because we have a biblical worldview. And this is why people, you know, they get so annoyed at those kinds of Christians. It's like, why can't you just bend just a little bit? Because the faith is not built on those who bent. Come on. It's not. Come on now. History doesn't have a lot of good stuff to say. About those who lapsed there. In, in fact, if you read church history, they were called the lapses. Those who lapsed in their testimony because they were afraid to lose their lives. Under harsh imperial rule, there were Christians who found it more convenient to say, oh, no, no, no we're not like them. Church historians documenting this. No, we, we, no, the, the faith is not built. Faith is not built on those who bend. Mm. And so, again, if we can in our minds think beyond, we're not talking about COVID churches and how we have, we're not, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about when we say, well, we're supposed to obey the law of the land. You have to be very careful with that because that has some far reaching consequences when we just throw that out. We're just like a sprinkler system. We have to obey the law of the land. Well, what laws? What laws? Of course, it doesn't stop there. You then have to ask the question, how are laws made in this country? What is it that we're supposed to be submitting to? Do we play a role in that? Absolutely, we do. Representative government. The church is built and established. In Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 20, you've got Peter and John. They're brought before the Jewish council. Mm -hmm. They're told to stop preaching in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. They perform a miracle by the grace of God. Holy Spirit empowers them. This man who was lame for 40 years from birth, all right? And now he's walking <laughs> He's walking around and the people are praising God because they're like, we can't deny this. Look at what just happened. And they're like, look. What do Peter and John say? Uh, you guys got to decide if it's right for us to do that. But we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. In other words, it's we're still coming. <laughs> we're still, <All> right. <laughs> we're, we're, still, we're still going to be there. <laughs> we're still going to be there. Where, wherever you guys are, wherever there's a need, the gospel has to expand. It's got to go forth. We're still coming. We're mm, there. Come on. They continue on. <laughs> they get thrown in prison mm -hmm. in Acts chapter five. And an angel comes and lets them out. <laughs> <laughs> the angel tells them you're still going, sends them back. Go <laughs> preach again. And they go preach again. And again, they are told not to preach in this name. They're like, wait. <laughs> didn't we already told you guys 
stop doing this. Hmm. And the apostles are again, they're like, no, look, we got to obey God rather than man. Which brings us in the final moments of this program Mm -hmm. to Romans chapter 13, verses one through seven. All right. Romans chapter 13. And, and, and let me say this too, because I love church history and I read a lot, a lot of church history books and I compare them and just, I, I like to have that, that straight little line from Acts, you know, reading through church history books. I just love to do that. It's amazing to see what the spirit of God has done to establish the church. Amen. It's amazing to Man. see the different players because the gospel didn't get to us via a hail Mary. Right. It wasn't just like a long throw. It was like passed to us at this point, at yeah. that point, at this point. Involved. And it's, a lot of people involved, and it's always been in peril. Mm. You know, the gospel has never existed in safety. We got it because people fought to preserve it. That's right. And it wasn't easy. There wasn't, there's not this like, you know, just a level of comfort where we, you know. So, so look, so in, in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and, and people come to rest here and they say, we got to obey the laws of the land. And I can already see the clock here that we're running out of time. So I'm not going to really be able to unpack this as much as I'd like to do. The time that Romans is written, the time that the Apostle Paul writes his letter to the Romans is around the same time that the Apostle Peter is writing his first letter. Right. They are both writing these letters under Nero. Mm. All right. (laughs) Nero, the one who is responsible for Rome burning and then blamed it on the Christians. Nero, who dressed a man up like a woman and married him. So now think about that when the Apostle Paul is writing against homosexuality in Romans 1. <laughs> Man. Think about that. And in fact, when you... And <laughs> so they're not saying just on, do man. everything that the governing authorities think you ought to be doing. That couldn't possibly be what they're saying. I mean, it would be ridiculous for us to think such a thing. Because Paul is not sideways. Look, on, in, in Acts chapter 13... Acts chapter 13, verses uh, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Mm. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he's a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Most people stop there and they're like, see, we got to do what they say. Keep reading, my friend. Keep reading. Verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Oh, wait a minute here. So we have to care about what God says as well? Yes, it's not a blank ticket. Hmm. It's not a blank check that governing authorities get to tell us what to do. And because we're Christians, we do it. No, we have to also keep in our mind what who incurs the wrath of God by these actions. Do I set myself now as the enemy of God by trying to be the friend of Caesar? Hmm. What am I doing here? Man, I wish we had more time because <laughs> I have any I wanted I wanted to scratch the surface. I wanted to remind you of Pastor Wang Yi. Mm. I want to remind you of his letter written 15 months before he was sentenced to nine years in prison. Man, how he talked about the gospel of disobedience. We don't even have time for it. Will's yelling at me. We got to (laughs) go. Aaron the Addisons, thanks for listening. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.